If you will find 1 Kings chapter 18 in your Bibles, uh, we continue the study of Elijah, and I'll uh, fill in some context here. But um, the, the game today, there's a, a Super Bowl, and it, it's not lost on me, given the, today's topic, that there are players and coaches and fans and, and gamblers, I'm sure, praying for the outcome of this game. Some that live around Kansas City and cheer for the Chiefs and some who cheer for the 49ers. So what is God supposed to do with that? Does, does Brock Purdy win the prayer battle or does Patrick Mahomes, you know, what's the deal? And it really does open up a, a, a chance to explore what prayer is because there are people that pray for all kinds of things, sometimes in opposition to one another. And so does that mean one's right and one's wrong? We'll find out, I guess, tonight, right? We'll find out who's got better prayers, the Chiefs fans or the 49er fans. To, to really drive it home for a second, last week I met a man just in, out and about in Kansas City. And uh, so, you all know, and I'm not a fan, so I don't know any of the details other than Toby Keith passed away last week of cancer and some of the treatment for cancer. And I met a man who just in passing, I said, how's it going? He said, three days ago, I found out I was cancer-free, that I had exactly what Toby Keith had, and they were going to do the exact surgery on me they did for him, but I went in for a checkup like to prep for surgery, and they said my cancer was all gone. And I said, you must have had a bunch of people praying for you. And he goes, I did. And he was a religious man, he said, and so we talked about that for a little bit. But guess what? I bet Toby Keith had some people praying for him too. And one man's dead and one man's living life. So how does prayer fit into all of this? Now, we know prayer is important. Jesus prayed. Remember, he, he, he wept drops of blood. He was in such anguish in prayer. Jacob wrestled with God. David panted for God. And if I asked for a show of hands this morning, I might ask, how many of you feel like you have this thing figured out? And I bet very few hands go up. It's just one of those mysteries, and it's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to get at. It's hard to understand What's going on? And so Elijah's going to teach us some things, or God's going to teach us some things through the life of Elijah. Let me catch you up to speed. You'll remember, I think, last week, Elijah confronts uh, the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, and they both pray and, uh, for rain and, I'm sorry, for fire to come down on the sacrifices, and God hears Elijah's prayer, answers that, but not the prophets of Baal. Um, the people were confronted with, to make a decision. You'll remember Elijah said, are you going to serve Baal or God? And they just sat there silently. And so we have this context of Elijah's life. There had been no rain in the land for three and a half years at the word of God. It was judgment. A, a few scraps from last week that I'll share with you. Deuteronomy 8, just for the fun of it. God says, observe the commands of the Lord your God has given you, walk in obedience and revering him. But later on in that book, he says, if you don't, the sky over your head will be bronze and the ground beneath you iron. The Lord will turn the rain of your country into dust and powder. So what was going on with Elijah confronting the evil king was the judgment of God on idolatrous people. Having last week done away with the prophets of Baal and judged them for their uh, idolatry at least, now the rain is going to come. And so we, we find that happening in the, the last part of chapter 18. We'll start in verse 41. I'll make some comments along the way. Verse 41, and Elijah said to Ahab, eat, drink, uh, sorry, go eat and drink, for there's the sound of heavy rain. Now we're going to, as this plays out, 
You're going to say, where do you hear that sound? He hears it by faith, I think, because he's going to send a messenger to go look for a cloud. And, and right now, he's just believing that God's going to do what he said. Back in verse 1 of this chapter, God said, go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. So what Elijah's doing is going to Ahab as he was instructed by the Lord, and he's believing the word of the Lord that rain was coming. Okay, verse 42. So Ahab went off to eat and drink. So he does exactly what Elijah told him to do. Um, Don't just think partying, but do think relief because there's actually going to be food in the land now, and and God is relenting. And so they're going to enjoy that. They're going to enjoy that in... uh, and King Ahab is going to go off and, and do that. And then, but note the contrast, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel. That's where the, this is all taking place. And he bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. I want you to note the posture here for a second. And we read in scripture, there's all kinds of ways to pray. People pray standing, they pray laying down, they pray kneeling. They pray with their hands open. They pray silently. There's, so there's not a thing there. But what he is is he's humble before the Lord. And I also think he's desperate before the Lord. He understands that if God doesn't send rain, it's not happening. And I thought about doing the showing you that posture. I don't think I'd get back up. I, I'd be like David. He'd have to get me back up there. And so you can imagine that, that this is a humble man um, uh, praying out to God. Verse 43. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. He has a a servant. Some believe that is actually the widow's son that he um, brought back to life. And he, the servant, went up and looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. So he's sending the servant back to look again because he didn't see anything. And then the seventh time, The servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So he's on top of this mountain. He's looking out over the Mediterranean Sea, and he can see just a puff of of clouds out there, just a little puff. Um, I want to make a couple notes. I'll hopefully come back to this. What looks like a puff way out there in the distance the size of a man's hand, that's from Elijah's perspective or the servant's perspective. That cloud was probably much bigger than they perceived you, you get that you know clouds are, clouds are huge right if you've ever flown and seen stuff like that and so they look small from here but there's something big coming and secondly what i want you to know is clouds don't god can do this but clouds don't just poof they form and so way even even i think as this battle's going on with the prophets of baal god is stirring up the ocean making the moisture rise, eventually condensing into a cloud. And they're just now seeing what God's been working on for a while. Okay? I just want to lay that out there for you a second. Verse uh, 44 and a half. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, who's out there eating and drinking, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. So he's, he's making the point. They don't have four by four trucks or anything like this. You better get on the road. He's going to send them to Jezreel, which is their winter palace. You better get ahead of the storm, okay? And so he he really believes the rain is coming, and so he sends him on his way. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, verse 45 says. The wind rose, and a heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. So that's their winter palace. The power of the Lord came on Elijah... 
and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. So that's, that's a 15, 20 mile trek and, and uh, there's, there's lots that go into that and I don't want to get too dis- distracted in that, but part of it is probably Ahab getting bogged down. Part of it certainly is the power that came upon um, Elijah for God to get him there, but he's going to go and we'll pick that up next week. So let me pray about this or pray over this and then we will break this down a little bit. God, um, prayer is a mystery. Um, it's hard to, it's hard to uh, understand, but we're told to do it. And God, we get stories like this in the Bible that help us understand how to do it and what goes into it. And so I just pray in the next few minutes, God, um, we focus our attention and our understanding on the fact that we need you to act and the way you've seen fit to do that is through our prayers and so help us God not only to pray well but to pray as you would have us pray about the things you would have us pray about Um, God just if nothing else today step up our prayer game in Jesus name amen Well, the first thing I have is the promise of prayer. Um, And this is just in general what the Bible teaches. And I'm not going to go a lot of depth here, but we are told a few things, at least. One, we have access to God. We, um, the Bible tells us, can enter boldly into the presence of God. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we don't have to cut up animals. We don't have to, like the prophets of Baal, cut ourselves. Because of the blood of Christ, we can enter boldly boldly into the presence of God. He, he um, not only had, gives us access, point A, but point B is he actually pays attention to our prayers. We don't, we don't have to like jump up and down and get his attention. It, it'd be just like your child coming and needing something. It, the Bible portrays God as a, as a father with his children. That he is, I think, not only willing, but eager to hear our prayers and to answer our prayers and to to, to help us in situations. Deuteronomy 4, 7 says, what other nation is so great to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray for him? That's a great verse to memorize. That we have a God that's near us. He hears us. I think he wants to act. Um, he wants to show us how good he is. He, is. he has just shown for Elijah this episode with Baal, so we know he can send down fire from heaven, and see as we get answers from God. Again, that cloud, before, before Elijah ever prayed and sent the servant to look for that cloud, God was, I think, forming that. There's a, a verse in Daniel, that, Daniel 10, 12, that says, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you have set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come in response to them. See, before Daniel even thought, I want to know God or I want to know something about what God is revealing here, God was already planning to answer that. There, there are prayers, I think, that God is already planning to answer. He already wants to answer. He already got, he's already in the works of answering things we haven't even thought to pray about yet, but he's got answers. And you might say, well, again, back to which team's going to win or which man dies of cancer, why is he answer some and not others? And I think this gets to the heart, and this is really my, my foundation this morning, is what are we praying for and how are we praying for things? 
not just how long do we pray or what's the mechanism of it, but what's on our heart. Isaiah, Isaiah 65, 24 says, before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. See, God answers prayers. And not in the way we always understand, not in the way we always like. But even a no answer is an answer, right? You do that with your kids. They ask you for things, and if you're a good parent, you say that's not something that's wise for you. Or that's something I'm gonna, you're going to get later. We, we, we interact with our kids the same way God is portrayed as interacting with us, though he's much wiser, right? And so we get answers. Again, maybe not even realize we get answers, but we get answers. So that's the basic the promises of God. We have access to him. He hears us. He answers us. Secondly is the power of prayer. We saw it in Elijah's story with the prophets that God can do anything. And so point A I have is God's power. There's absolutely nothing that you would ask God. Now, you can't ask God to be a liar or anything like that. But there's absolutely nothing generally that you can ask God for in prayer that God can't do. God can heal cancer. He did for one man, he didn't for another. God can do anything that we ask of him. Nothing is impossible. We got that, right? And so part of the way we pray is understand we are before uh, the creator who can do whatever he needs to do. And so there is nothing outside of the realm of that. If, if we need a miracle, God can and does do miracles. Okay, But he has the ability to do that. Whether he does or not is a different story, but he has the power to do whatever he can do. Secondly, his plans. And this is where, this is where I really need to focus in because this is what's been convicting to me anyway. First John tells us this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything, and here's the kicker, according to his will, he hears us. And we know that if he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. It's that according to his will thing that gets us. Now, most of us, at least in the church, are not thinking, I'm going to ask something outside of the will of God, right? It's not that we're deliberately asking God to do something that we know outside his will. Now, sometimes people do that. They flat out ignore what God says, and they want God to bless something they know God's word says that he won't bless, and they are asking outside of his will. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about is praying for somebody's cancer within his will. That's the tricky part. Why wasn't he healed one and not the other? And, and so I started digging a little deeper here. And, and I, I, I just want to make this caveat. I am not saying, whatever I say for the rest of the morning, I am not saying don't pray for healing and don't pray for provision and don't pray for guidance and direction. I'm not saying any of that. God knows what we need. He wants us to have food and clothing. He wants us to be content with that. He wants to provide for us like he provides for the birds and the, he, and the flowers. He wants to do that. Do not back down from praying from things that are on your heart and mind. Here's my fear is that we are so focused, though, on just some things, and we're not kingdom-minded in our prayers. Because I know what the will of God is in some areas, but those are not the areas I generally pray in. You understand what I'm saying? Somebody's sick. Yes, I pray for healing. I don't know if that's God's will or not. Somebody's lost, and they need to hear the gospel. That's God's will. I ought to be praying for lost people. I ought to be praying for the opportunity to share with lost people. Somebody's floundering in their faith. They need to be built up. That's God's will. 
Somebody needs to go share the gospel with the, the, the nations. That's God's will. But we don't pray for those things. His church, nothing can stop this church, but we don't pray for that. Again, I am not saying don't pray for healing and health and provision and direction. What I'm saying is, I've caught myself all week doing this. Little things, like I can't find something. Oh, God, will you help me find this? And it's been convicting me. When's the last time I said, when God help me find a lost person to hear the gospel? You understand the balance I'm trying to get here? Did I say don't pray for little things? Everybody shake your head no. What I'm trying to say is let's pray for big things. Things that I can convince you of from the word of God that are the will of God. If I ask anything according to his will, he will hear me and he will answer me. We're just not asking for those things. It, it exposes in me how, and, and take this how you will because it applies to you too, how self-centered we are. It's just natural. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say I'm a jerk about it. It's just I think about my next meal, you know, <laughs> And if I'm going to make stuff like that, that's normal. What I want to get is beyond just the normal things and say, what is God doing in the kingdom? How can I expand? Because we know, because I already told you, God said to, Ahab, or to Elijah, you go confront Ahab and I will send rain. Elijah knew from the word of God what he could pray for and it would happen. Who else would stand on top of a mountain and seven times say send rain when it hadn't rained three and a half years? Because God said so. I know God has said some things about lost people and about evangelism, about missions, about spiritual growth, about fighting sin in my life. I know those are the will of God. I can pray with boldness those things. Here's what F.B. Meyer said about this. He wrote a book on, on Elijah, but it's called Elijah and the Secret of His Power. He says, God's promises are given not to restrain, but to incite to prayer. They show the direction in which we may ask and the extent to which we may expect an answer. They are the mold into which we may pour our fervid spirits without fear. They are the sign check made payable to order which we must endorse and present for payment. Though the Bible be crowded with golden promises, board to board or cover to cover, yet will they be inoperative until we turn them into prayer. Okay? Now, again, I'm more, con I'm more confronted with the kingdom-sized prayers that we're at, not asking. You understand what I'm saying? That's, that's what I'm at with this. And so, really, I need to find out what God's, not just his plans are, but what his revealed plans are. And I could go through the whole thing again, but we just almost exclusively don't pray about the things he has made definite promises about. And we don't do then, I'll come to this later, we don't do what we pray about when it comes to those areas. God, please help people come to Christ, and then I do absolutely nothing to make that happen, right? Or help me grow spiritually, and I do absolutely nothing to help that happen. Or help me fight sin in my life, and I do absolutely nothing to make that happen. There's not an obedience tied to it. Which brings me to point C, is God's praise. This is why sometimes we get no answers, and this is why, not no answer, but no's as answers or confusing answers, is because it's all for the glory of Christ. And who's to say, because we don't know, that your non-answer or the answer you don't like is exactly what God is using to build you up, strengthen you, strengthen somebody else? 
Many of you have cared for sick people that it seemed like God didn't answer their prayers, but you learned stuff about you and your faith that you would not have known had you not walked that journey. Are some of the difficult things that you've gone through, relationships or finances or jobs, it was through those valleys that you learned things, or God may even brought you to him through those things. See, we, we just, all for his glory. Ultimately, all for our good. It's harder for us to see that, but we need to say this, if the answer is no here, God, it's for your praise and your glory, and then start looking for how that can be the, the case. Thirdly is the practice of prayer. We've really not touched his, this passage much, but I want to look at what Elijah did and how we can learn from that. And then what we're going to do, and I'll just give you a heads up, it may be awkward for some of you. Uh, it may be awkward for me. Rather than a last song, we're going to pray. And I'm going to guide you through some things. I'm not going to just pray and you listen. You're going to have time to pray. Um, and I don't mean this as a joke at all. The ne- if, if it's 10 minutes, I'm not sure how long it'll be, five, six, seven, 10 minutes, I'm not sure. It may be the, the longest one moment of prayer you've had all week. Does that make sense? And I'm not t- saying that as a slight at you. It's just like, we're going to give you an opportunity. I'm going to give you an opportunity, give myself an opportunity to take a few minutes to just focus on the things that God wants to focus on. And that may be a blessing to you because you've just not had the time to do that. Well, here's what we know about Elijah and some first of all he was a man of prayer and I want to emphasize the word man he's a man James tells us this this is James 5 the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective Elijah was a human being even as we are he what what James is saying he's just like you and me he believed the word of God. He asked God to act. That, he was righteous. He, he dealt with sin. And we saw he had his trouble too. But anyway, he prayed earnestly. It would not rain. And it did not rain in the land for three and a half years. And again, he prayed. And the heavens gave rain. And the earth produced his crop. He was a man just like us. Here's what F.B. Meyer says about this again. Thus, by his faith and prayer, this solitary man brought back rain to Israel. Why should we not learn and practice his secret? It is certainly within the reach of us all. Then we too might bring from heaven spiritual blessings, which should make the parched places of the church and the world rejoice and blossom as the rose. You in your prayer alone, I'm not saying don't do other things, I'll get to the obedient part, But in your prayer alone, you can affect things that you are working really hard to affect in other ways. We we, we can do a lot, but we ought to pray about it first. And so Elijah's doing something that only God can do, but he's asking God to do it. And we do the, the same sort of thing. Any one of us have access to the same God that sent down fire on the prophet on the sacrifices. The same God that answers the rain prayer, the same God that withheld rain. And so what we do is we understand we are in in no lesser of a position than Elijah was. So that's the man of prayer. B, I put the manner of prayer. And I just want to point out some things about Elijah, and then we're all going to pray. First of all, just his posture before God. Again, it's not physically where he stood He understood, and he said it through this passage several times, he's just God's servant. We have to understand, yes, we have access to a holy God, but he's still a holy God. 
And we, we must be humble before him. Whatever we ask, we are humble. It's a, it's, a, it's a blessing, it's a privilege just to be in his presence. And so if you've ever seen the acronym ACTS with prayer, always start with adoration. Just understand where, who God is and that what, a, what a, an awesome opportunity to speak to your creator. Secondly, and there's no real list here, but it's in my notes, he understood the word of God. And so he was simply praying, back to verse 1, God had said, go talk to Ahab and I will send rain. And so what we do when we pray is we just simply claim those blank checks of Scripture. And again, because it's really hard to find in there whether I ought to buy the white car or the black car. But I can find the certain things I'm telling you about, like lost people need Jesus. And I need to fight sin. And the church needs to prosper. And you know, the nations need to be reached. And so I need to know the promises of God. What does he really promise? And, and pray about those things. He was very precise, and it's okay to ask God for precision, but again, focus on at least as much on those spiritual things. He was passionate. It was in his heart. And um, this dawned on me a little bit too. When I really get passionate about prayer, it's those hard things, right? Like illnesses and relationships. And that's when I take that seriously. What, again, what I want us to do is ramp our game up a little bit and say, you know what, I ought to be just as passionate about lost people. They're going to hell. I need to be just as passionate about that believer that I can help mature in the faith. I need to be just as passionate about that sin I'm struggling with. See, but I, I save it for the things like I really need to make it through the next paycheck. And again, not trying to discount that, but we don't get that passion into the kingdom stuff. It, was, it involved other people. He was, you know, thinking about the people of God. So here's the moment of prayer. And again, I don't know how this is going to go. Other, we're going to dedicate a little time to this. Um, what I want you to do is, is think through what this is. First of all, and I'll, I'll guide you through this as we go. Humble yourself before the Lord. And I'll guide you and I'll talk to you about this. But I want you to... Physically, if you want to kneel there, you can. You can come up here if you want. I don't care. But get yourself, at least spiritually and mentally, in that position Elijah was in. Down, head down between the knees. Okay? And the question I'm going to ask, and go ahead and put that next slide up is here, is, is where do you need rain? Okay? So you think of the, the setting here with Elijah. The land had not, it had not rained for three and a half years. Everything was dry, and there was no life there. Now, again, I'm going to keep pushing you towards bigger things, because it's going to be real easy for some, and, and it's okay to do this. It's going to be real easy for you to say, my relationship is dry, and I need rain there, right? I need life there. Or my spirituality, or my health, or whatever. Pray for the same kind of fruit, if you will, for your church, and for your community, and your nation, for your for fighting sin don't just limit it to those things that popped ahead right right away okay and i'll guide you through some things there another thing to understand before we go into this is that rain came after judgment god dealt with the prophets of baal he, he proved that he was the true god they were not and remember he slaughtered those prophets you're here today and don't expect because there are things that will hinder your prayer and Sin will do that. And if you've never accepted Jesus Christ, I want to make this crystal clear, that blank check is not written to you. 
The, 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 the check he will sign is you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's God's will for you. That's what he wants you to pray. And so, again, pray about all kinds. But God is listening, first of all, for the humble repentance of sin. Some of you are believers, and God still needs to deal with sin in your life. And I, I'm not going to speak for him, but even the Bible is clear on some of this. If you have a bad relationship somewhere, go and fix that before you ever pray to God. There are things that you need, you need to repent of sin. You need to forsake sin. You need to hold on to Jesus in places, even if you're a believer, before you start asking God to you know, direct your path on what job or what car or what, whatever. Deal with that. This judgment, this rain came after that repentance. Now, the good news is for a believer is God judged us in Jesus Christ. So that's part of being the right posture before God. Then again, where do you need to pray for rain? And then the last thing is, and I'll call you this at the end because you might forget it in the next few minutes, is how now will you act? How will you obey for what you just prayed about? So if you're going to pray for lost people, what's your response to how you're going to make that come true? If you're going to pray to fight sin in your life, what's your obedient step to do that? Because Elijah, again, he prayed for rain, and when he saw the cloud... He told Ahab, you better get going, and he tucked it in, and he ran for 20 miles because he believed it was coming, and he did something about what God's word said was going to happen. And so there's an obedience factor in here. All right, so this is how it's going to happen. I'm going to ask if there's any of our elders in the room, I'm going to have them stand right now. I'm going to point them out to you. Um, yeah, so we've got Pat Hubert here and Russell Huff and Bill Vassar. That may be all in the service. Jason Greenfield, myself. Um, we pray for you regularly. In fact, today was supposed to be, every other month, we call it the elder prayer meeting. And we do it a consent agenda. We basically look at calendar and then we just pray. Okay, we've been doing that for a couple of years. I think maybe since COVID hit or something like that. These men are praying for you. And they're gonna spend the next few minutes praying for you, praying for the church, praying for the matters of the church. They're also available. If you wanna go talk to one of them, they'd, they'd be happy to pray for you or pray with you. You can come up here, you can kneel, you can just sit there, whatever you want. But I want to guide you through this. Where do you need rain to come? And I'm going to give you some topics, and it may be awkwardly quiet. Don't worry, you're not missing anything. You're not going to open your eyes, and everybody's left the room and left you here. Okay? But would you join me in prayer? So let's close our eyes, and let's ask God. God, would you send rain in our lives? God, and I would ask, first of all, that you hear us as we ask, just in this area of prayer. And I would ask you people, please, beg God to help you grow in this area. Teach you what it's like to pray. God, this is one of those areas that I know you want. It's in your will that we be people that call out to you in prayer. And God, help us expand that beyond, as important as it is, the day-to-day -day stuff and to see kingdom. And so God, with that in mind, I know it is your will that lost people come and are saved by Jesus Christ. 
God, would you hear us as we lift up the names of those that we know that are lost? God, bring to mind people that we know are lost. God, break our hearts for those people. God, if there's any here today that don't know you, that they've never repented of their sin and asked you for forgiveness, God, would you show them their desperate need for you? And right now, God, they can pray to you for forgiveness and new life in Christ. Would you do that, God? Open their their hearts to the gospel. God, we know it's your will that we should grow in our faith, that we should be more mature believers, that we should know the word of God better. And so God, would you hear our prayers as we ask you to develop that hunger in us? God, I know it's your will too from your word that we help others grow spiritually. God, there are, there are people within our influence that we should be discipling. That we should be serving in ministries to help other people grow. God, would you hear the prayer of your people as they ask you to show them where that could be? To help them get over their fear of that or, or their weariness even of it, God, and just to Find their place where they can help others grow in their faith. God, I know it's your will that we should fight sin in our hearts and our minds and our practices and our actions. God, would you listen as your people ask you to strengthen them against those temptations that they face. To have the courage to say no to sin, to flee from it, to forsake it, God. God, help us not be settled with just, God, forgive me, but turn our backs on it, God. And God, some need to hear that they are forgiven for those sins. That they've accepted you as their Lord and Savior, and yet they're still holding on to the guilt and shame of something that you've forgotten, that you have freed them from. Help them to receive just the grace that you offer. Hear those prayers, God. And God, based on that, we know it's your will that we should forgive one another. And there may be some unforgiveness in in this room. Um, God, 
hear the prayers of those that need to, based on your grace, offer grace to others. God, again, I know it's your will that we make disciples, that we seek the lost. God, I I believe your word that the fields are ripe for harvest, but the workers are few. God, would you make us workers in the fields? Give us a boldness to share our faith. Hear those prayers, God. God, there are people from other cultures and other nations that have never heard the name Jesus. And so we send out missionaries, God, and maybe you're calling somebody in this room to to missions, to a different culture, a different place. God, maybe you're calling someone in the ministry that they would pursue the ministry as a lifelong calling. Hear those prayers, God. And God, some here today need healing physically, mentally. God, we know you're the great physician, and we know it's within your power to heal. God, hear those prayers. God, others have real needs that need to be met financially, employment. God, hear those prayers. God, some here today have all they need, they have more than they need. And hear our prayers to be content with what we have. And God, to be generous with what you've given us. Now God, I pray you give us the eyes of faith to see that small cloud to know that you've heard our prayers and answers are on the way. And so God, help us to tuck in our cloak and get to work and act in obedience on those things we've just prayed for. And we want you to get all the glory And we understand that it all depends on you. May Jesus Christ be lifted up. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.